We could have died, but we didn't write about that. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today I have longbirds. And these two longbirds? Well, Elliot and Mina. Mina and Elliot, welcome to the show. Yeah, go ahead and be like, hi, <laughs> I'm Elliot. <laughs> yeah, I'm Mina. Thanks for having us. So today we're going to be listening to Driving to Rapid City off of the recently released album, I Had a Dream, I Was Skateboarding. Without further ado, let's listen to the song. Fucking far if you fucking can We'll drive 
Welcome back. So, my first and favorite question to always ask is, what came first? Was it the music or was it the lyrics? It was almost simultaneous, but the lyrics did come first. Did you start with the driving down the highway line first? Or like, did you start with like a chorus or how did that, those lyrics start? I don't remember how this song started. I feel like it all pretty much came together at once, at least the first half of the first verse and the chorus, I think I just thought of because I knew I wanted to write a song about this experience that we had driving to Rapid City. One day, these ideas just came to me, like these lyrics, and I just thought, okay, these these are good, I'll write them down, and then I'll start writing this song. And then the whole thing just burst into existence. Basically. It's one of those ones that comes to you really easily and you don't have to spend years working on it. Would you say that that's typically like the writing style for Longbirds? I think generally it's pretty rare something just comes together as easily as that. Like you said, some songs have been worked on for years and some take a lot of effort to fully finish and process. And so this one was a little easier yeah, there were still parts in this that took a long time to figure out, like, where do I put this instrumental? It took a while to figure out what to do with that section that's after the bridge. The lyrics came to me pretty fast, which is always a good to have that because I don't like writing lyrics. It's so hard. <laughs> what part are you considering the bridge? The bridge is after the first chorus. It starts with, and I still think of the days... No, 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 no. Okay, that I was, I was thinking that was it, but I yeah. always, I always, but it's, it's basically the bridge, and I'm assuming that that part before that is the you consider that the chorus, right? Yeah. Okay, so it's chorus, bridge, chorus is well, what's happening with an instrumental in between. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's good. I, I feel like I've redeemed my track record of calling things the wrong thing. So you started off with the lyrics, but when did that first riff that you start off with at the beginning, like when did that come about? I think I came up with the lyrics really late at night. I used to have a job where I worked overnight and I was driving home from that. And that's where I think I came up with the lyrics. Either that same night or the next morning, I created that riff because I knew I wanted it to be one of these fast songs. So I just created that. That one kind of just came to me too. I knew I needed a riff that was really catchy. It just fit the song really well, I thought. I like that riff a lot. Mina, like half a song is brought to you. I'm wondering how you incorporate the bass. With that one, I mean, you came to me with the lyrics and with the riff and a lot of it, the bass is doing the same riff as the guitar and we're synced up. And then we went into like, where should this instrumental go? Like, where should these other parts go? And that was a little more messing around with it. And the parts kind of formed together as we're messing with it. And I do whatever I want to do underneath it, I guess. Yeah, you just do what sounds good. Yeah, and it works. we're like, oh, this sounds fine. All right, I'll do that. Do you do that by ear? Or is it like, oh, I know that this is like an A major chord. So I'm if you put an A or an E or something like that, that it will go with it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is it, yeah. Yeah. A lot of times when we're building and writing the songs, they'll start with just roots. And so we like have the lyrics and we're like, all right, well, these are the root chords over these parts. And then I can take those and create a part with it and just build on that knowing what is supposed to go underneath. Do you usually think of this in terms of like chord structure or do you just 
give give the music in terms of musically like auditorily like you play it lots of times i'll just write the chord progression and then i'll think of it theoretically in the verse i go from a one to a six in the chorus i go from a one to a five so that kind of is what differentiates the two sections i think i like to think of the music theory a little bit but i don't like to overdo it because it's not as important when you're playing punk rock <laughs> i don't think as much of the music theory and most times if you give me something or if you have like part of a song written you won't originally give it with the music theory you're just like okay well here's the chords and here's what i have so far and the only time it really comes in handy is when i'm like trying to make something later or trying to figure it out later apart and i'm like oh my god what the heck would i even put here and you're like oh, well, this is a 1-4, or this is like a triad, and that's why you should do this, and this, this, and this sounds good. So that's when it comes into play. <laughs> the correlation between, you know, jumping from a 1 to a 6, I always feel like that that interval, in terms of chords, it just feels like, because we're so used to hearing the 1-4 or the 1-5 kind yeah. of sound, like, not that it misses its mark, but you know what I mean? Like, it gives it gives a certain urgency. Does that make sense? Like... I don't know. I that's Yeah, it's different. It it brings out a different character than something you usually would hear in a lot of music. When did this start coming together? Like between the two of you, is that usually how that works? Like you come to a consensus on the song or when do you bring in the drums and other parts? I play the drums. I've played the drums before I played the guitar. I kind of write the drum part in my head as I'm writing the guitar part. So it kind of that's kind of at the same time. So the question I think my listeners may want to know. So have you finally taken a, a Greyhound anywhere? Either of you? No. Okay. You did once. Yeah, did I? Yeah, no. but th that was before we even wrote the song and before we even went to South Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> You've already gone to Rapid City before this. Yeah, actually. so okay. should we talk about that? Sure, sure. So this song is based on when we went on our first like weekend tour in the summer of 2019. Our first show was in Rapid City, South Dakota. So this song is kind of based on that event and the feelings that were experienced during that. So it was a, a tour where you went all the way out to Rapid City and then you just it was like, toured back? It, yeah, it through. was like a... What was it, like 16 or 17 hours? Yeah, like 17 hours. To yeah, so we, so we went to Rapid City, South Dakota, St. Paul, Minnesota, and then oh La Crosse, Wisconsin. So it was, it was a long drive. I, I know that this isn't exactly about the song, but why that pattern or was that just how it lined up? When you're kind of a newer band, it's hard to book shows out of town. So we kind of had to settle for what we got because we were trying to do something closer to Illinois but then we were like, okay, we can't get a show in Iowa. We'll play in Minnesota. Oh, but this show in Minnesota is going to be on Saturday. Let's see what we can do in South Dakota. And we found someone there who would book us, and it was awesome. So we drove all the way out there. Wow. <laughs> so was that, was that a house show? It was actually at a place called The Cave Collective. It was kind of like a DIY space, kind of like an art venue, public space for... Huh. creativity and shows one of those things nice. it's kind of like the imc let's just talk about the the construction of the instrumental part in between the bridge and then the final chorus how did that come together i felt like there should be a, a break after that bridge so we kind of wanted something to relieve the tension when the bridge happens there's like two parts and 
we have the first half, which the drums are doing a normal time beat. And then after that, we get the drums doing a double time beat. We kind of call that the skate beat just because that's how it is in a lot of skate punk songs. And I kind of wanted something to relieve that after we build up. And then we put in that riff where we do the same thing. But I think, are we doing a fifth or a third or a fourth? I think we might have been doing it a third apart. Yeah. And it sounds cool. And then... I came up with the I'm I'm probably singing it really poorly, but that's kind of how it sounds. I'm like, okay, we'll do this, and then we'll do it again, and then the bass will do it. <laughs> right? Yeah, I take it up an octave and then do it again, and it really stands out. Yeah, it's very yeah. powerful. It's so that's one of the coolest parts in the song. So you've started to put this together and let's just say when you began working on putting together the I Had a Dream When I Was Skateboarding, was this recorded locally in Champaign-Urbana? This was recorded by us in our basement. In Champaign. In Champaign. Did you record that live or did you do like, we're going to put down the guitar and vocals now? How did the recording process work for this song? So we tracked each part separately. While we're doing this, we did all the songs for the album over the beginning of 2021. We recorded a scratch guitar track with a metronome, and then I just recorded the drums over that, and then everything else. How do you both decide who sings or or who sings which lyrics? For the most part, it's whoever writes the lyrics for that song sings that song. But I think a part of our sound and what adds a lot is also having the other person doing backing vocals. So that kind of just gets fit in there wherever we think it will add the most or sound the best. Why did you choose this as your favorite song to talk about? Well, when we were thinking about this, I think this is just kind of the idea that came to both of us where it just seemed like the first go-to because it has that cool story behind it of driving to rapid city it has all those neat memories from rapid city and from south dakota and that's what makes it a little bit stand out from the rest of the songs on the album a lot of the other songs are about like personal struggles feelings and self-discovery this one was a little different from that and i thought it was just a little unique and maybe a little interesting in its own way to speak about Although it does have an event attached to it, it kind of follows the same theme as a lot of the other songs on the album, but just in a a different way. Originally, Mina was going to say we wanted to do this song because she thought all of the songs were just depressing. Was this the first one you did a video for this this album? This was the first music video we did, and this was also the first single off our first album. And the idea of you emerging from the cornfields was... Totally his idea. (laughs) (laughs) How many maps did you go through or did did you do that rip on one take? Or that wasn't you. Sorry, that wasn't you. I know. That was our friend Max. Yeah, we actually only had one shot. It was... um, That was the last thing we filmed. Yeah, we kept it until the very end of the shoot. And it's because the night before we were at Walmart looking for props and they had one map that fit our purposes in stock and so we got the one map and And we were like wow this map is so expensive yeah it was like seven or eight dollars for a map and i was like you you guys better make this look good that was a fun music video to film i yeah yeah Yeah, so we filmed it with our friends max and morgan 
And Morgan was our drummer when we went to South Dakota on our tour. It was fun to have them in the video. Yeah, both of them went with us yeah. on our trip. Well, and you specific we'll yes, pick up Max we, and Morgan. Yeah, we name dropped them in the song. Is did we capture all of the story to Rapid City or are there other notable things that, that happened that you're referring to in this? We could have died, but we didn't write about that. You want to I, talk about that, Mina? There was a lot that happened in Rapid City. I think it all kind of ties together, even though it wasn't specifically mentioned. But when we went there, we met some really neat people there. It was like one of the only towns that, you know, we were just hanging out in front of the venue and we had like three or four people come up to us and say, hey, what's going on tonight? Are you guys playing a show? Who are you? All right, we'll come see it, which was really unique. And it was my first time, you know, meeting new people like that. And then later that night, after we performed at the Cave Collective, the people who owned the venue were like, well, do you guys want to come see our cave? And we were like, what? <laughs> and so <laughs> they gave us directions and we drove up into this mountain area we went up this road that was like the, nameless mountain road no the road was called nameless cave road yeah nameless was, cave road it was pitch black and there were no lights no lights totally deserted no wi-fi no, no signal no, yeah nothing yeah so that was the scary part of it but we got up the mountain to the nameless cave and waited around a little bit for them to get up there and meet us there and it actually ended up being a really great time because it turns out that the people there running the Cave Collective had, in the housing market crash, bought a tourist cave. And so we went up there and they took us down into this cave. And it was so cool. He brought his guitar and they were playing guitar for us in the cave. And it was like magical. It bit. was really fun. We were just really worried at first because we were in the middle of nowhere with these people we didn't really know, but it ended up being really fun. And if the people from the Cave Collective ever listen to this, please don't be offended. We totally trusted you. It was just the lack of signal. That was scary. <laughs> but I wanted to say when I interpret the lyrics to this, because Elliot wrote them, I think of it as looking forward and looking for the things that drive you and could make you happy and inspire you. And I got a lot of feelings from Rapid City and from those experiences. And those are the feelings that I look for that inspire me and give me something to look forward to. And I think that's how they tie in together. If I remember correctly, you did say that this was your first like tour, right? First yeah. weekend tour. So it was a big and thing your for first us. stop, right? Yeah. So it's like, wow, we're actually doing this. And it's working. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to say about this song or even more about your album I Had a Dream I Was Skateboarding? Yeah, well I think this song is just a lot about like what Mina said, looking forward and looking towards the things that matter to you. I think that's just one of the main points of this song and one of the biggest feelings that I want people to take away from it. So the album is called I Had a Dream I Was Skateboarding. It is a concept album and it has a very loose storyline associated with it um, that if you listened in order and you think about it, you'll be able to pick it out and Driving to Rapid City is in the middle of that and it's right after the song Calling Off. So Calling Off is self-explanatory and then Driving to Rapid City is this is what you do when you're looking 
forward after everything that's come before it. So I won't explain the whole story of the album, but it has a story attached to it. It's about trying to figure out what makes everything meaningful to you. And it has a lot to do with all the struggles you face, all the big turning points in your life. Lots of the songs are about like the big turning points, like, oh, I'm calling off, oh, driving to Rapid City. They just all follow this journey and all the bumps along the road, all the internal struggles you face when you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004. Carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. So here's the tough part. Who wants to tell me uh, which one of you wants to say is your favorite Champagne Urbana venue first? We're probably on the same page with this one. But I don't want to say it. I'll say it. The Birdhouse is probably our favorite house venue in Champagne. How could we not say that? We're so biased. And it's because we run the Birdhouse in case the listeners haven't met us before or known that. Longbirds, the Birdhouse, they both have bird in it. <laughs> Nice. How did you end up landing in the birdhouse? We had known for a while that our ultimate goal was to throw shows. And when we got to the point where we weren't dorming anymore and we're looking for a place to move into, we were looking for show houses. And somebody else who's been a major part of the community here, Veronica Mullen, used to live at that house. It was blips and shits before it was the birdhouse. But she was moving out. And She had mentioned that she wanted it to stay in the community, to stay a show house. So we hit her up about it and we were like, hey, can we live at your house? And that's how we got the connection. Do you have a favorite memory of the birdhouse? Did you even participate when it was blips and shits? Yeah, we went to a few shows there. When we were in Champaign, that was kind of when it was calming down and there were less shows there then at its peak maybe my favorite memory was the first show we threw there it was us binks your boy and old fox road that one's just really memorable to me just because we didn't know what the turnout was going to be but it ended up being awesome and it was packed and a lot of people seemed like they were having a really good time my favorite memory might not be the greatest story but um (laughs) Well, are you going to talk about the... Well, I don't know what you're saying, but I'll talk about it. But after we had been running the house for a while, I just remember really being overwhelmed with what a great sense of community we felt at the shows and when people were coming by. And there was one night, it's not the greatest story. Um, we had the show, it was pretty busy in there. 
I think somebody got sick in the basement <laughs> and yeah, so they puked in our basement and somebody came up to me and they were like, oh, somebody puked over there or whatever. And I remember going, I super flustered going down, trying to clean it all up and like spray everything down. And these people around me were helping me clean it up. And I remember I had all these little bottles of hand sanitizer and I was passing them out to the people that were helping me so that, you know, we could all feel great about ourselves. And this was before the pandemic and everything. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'll never see those again. That's fine. But at the end of the night, after everybody had left, we have this merch table set up at the entrance to the basement and all of the hand sanitizer bottles were just stacked in a little line on the table. And I was like, you guys are great. You helped me clean. You neatly arranged the hand sanitizer. And that is when I was like, wow, I'm so thankful for everybody that comes to these shows and how they act. Yeah, I have to say that is one thing that I appreciate about a DIY venue is that I feel that people that participate that, whether you're the booker or you're the person performing or you're an, an audience member there's like this weird ownership that kind of happens like people care about the scene more or at least from my perspective I agree. And, I've, and i've always appreciated how people do take a personal responsibility for it being a great place it also means that it's that much more vulnerable when somebody doesn't want to take ownership or they think that they maybe own it too much where they think that it's their place and then they can ruin it for a lot of other people. How did Longbirds form? In 2016, I started this folk punk style solo project, which was just me on the acoustic guitar. And then I met Mina and I was like, hey, Mina, want to do this thing with me? And I said, yes. <laughs> Mina played the upright bass for a few shows when we did that, and it was really cool. What was that that project called, or did you just uh, play as a solo? It was, it was called Elliot Ross. Yeah, it was called okay, Elliot okay. Ross. Okay, I okay. I nothing, wanted... nothing special. We went so long without a band name, and Mina was like, I don't just want to tell people I'm in the Elliot Ross band, and I'm yeah, like... I was I'm so a... mad about it. I was like, give me a band name already. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's do a band name. So we came up with Longbirds. In 2018, we got a drummer to play with us live and his name was jared before that we had recorded two eps they sounded really bad we just played those songs acoustically but after we got a drummer we were able to play them live how they were meant to be played and it was really fun thought i saw were you from the chicago area is that right or since about a month or two ago we've been telling people we're from elgin i think elliot has been telling people that we're from elgin <laughs> and writing it on our website <laughs> This is such a funny story because I'm from Schaumburg. You're from Hoffman Estates. We both went to Schaumburg High School. That's how we know each other. But the thing was, there's no music scene in Schaumburg. There was like two bands that were from Schaumburg and neither of them are active anymore. The whole music scene was in Elgin. At the time. I don't want to say now there's no music scene because I yeah. know there's like younger bands that we don't really know I of. I think there's like one. Yeah. It's not big. But when we were there in yeah. town, there wasn't a lot happening. All the good stuff was happening in Elgin and that's where we always played and we're a part of the Elgin scene. It's funny because some of the people from Elgin thought we went to their high school when we didn't. People always ask, where are you from? And it's so difficult to say, I'm from Schaumburg and you're from Hoffman Estates. We've been saying we're from Elgin now, which isn't true. So um, that's the bad. 
Yeah, we adopted Elgin as our hometown. Yeah, that's our adopted okay. hometown. We are rewriting history. <laughs> oh, that's the backstory. How long have you been in like Champaign-Urbana area? Since we started school here, I started four years ago. Yeah, we okay. just moved here for school. So I'm going to just throw this out because this is something that came up over the pandemic and, and maybe you know what question is coming next, but I like to meditate and think about like what makes a good community and like what is something that our music community could do better. I think one of the best things about a music scene is when people are really supportive of each other and they just really enjoy listening and watching everyone's band and going to everyone's shows and doing that kind of thing just because it makes everyone just feel great. A lot of times when people get support, their music is going to sound great. They know people love it. I just really like when you can go to a show, you know everyone, and everyone's there just to have a good time, and no one's there just to hate other people. (laughs) There are people that go to shows at bars, and they just complain about the music that's being played. It's like, wait, why? Yeah, I totally agree with that. When you go to a show and your purpose for being there is to enjoy the music and support your friends, I just think that's a really great thing. Do you think there's anything that we could do better in Champaign-Urbana? I feel like there's kind of a split between like the towny area and like the student area. I feel like if there wasn't that split, that would be better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of nuance that goes into that, though. And that's pe- that's something that people have been talking about for yeah. many years now. I think what we are trying to do with our venue is to kind of break that and have it be open for everyone. I feel like a lot of people who like a lot of the champagne bands don't go to like the college house shows. Our venue is kind of different where it's not like a party. It's more of a just a show. So I want it to feel more inviting to people who don't want to go to a college party. I sometimes wonder if... if- it's not as much the proximity or college versus towny as it is like just kind of an age discrepancy. Like some of the older folks don't necessarily feel like they can go to a college show and college show doesn't necessarily. So I'm just saying sometimes yeah, that happens I think, too. I think but that might be it too. We put all ages on our flyers. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> yeah. how, how many people listen to that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I remember originally being young here and seeing the gap and thinking well obviously this is something that has to be bridged there there can't be a gap we have to fix this i may still think that yeah we should try and bridge the gap but after the years of seeing the different kinds of shows here i mean gaps kind of form for a reason like everybody has their preferences for what they want in a concert and that has kind of like built it to be this way Hmm. not saying whether it's good or bad or anything just you know it formed for a reason even in the midst of the current coronavirus pandemic the jubilee cafe is continuing to serve packaged home-cooked meals free to all every monday evening 5 to 6 30 p.m Meals are available for pickup outside the 6th Street door to the Community United Church of Christ in Champaign, Illinois, 805 South 6th Street. Jubilee Cafe's mission remains the same. Feed hungry people by cooking healthy and delicious meals. We are open to anyone who cares to receive a meal. For information on the meal or how to volunteer, 
go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email us at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Welcome back. So during the break, we took a quick poll and decided on who would go first. And it was decided that Elliot will go first. (laughs) So, Elliot, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things? When I'm not going to class and studying music, and when I'm not playing in Longbirds, and when I'm not writing songs for Longbirds, and when I'm not dusting off and organizing my record collection and listening to all my records, I do do a few non-musical things. I like to play video games just as any other 20-something would. (laughs) I actually wrote a song about this called Super Nintendo. Hey, he said non-musical. Yeah, I, I won't go into that, but I like to play lots of video games. I like RPGs. A lot of the Super Nintendo RPGs are my favorites to play. So even going back to the Super Nintendo and not like the Wii or the Switch? or I, I have a Switch. I love the Switch, but I'd, I'd say a lot of my favorite games are Super Nintendo RPGs. And like a particular game or? Secret of Mana, Earthbound, Chrono Trigger. Those are a few of my favorites. That's a role-playing game, yeah. basically. So, Does it always have to be first person or is it second person? Can it be both? Or either. What's second person? Second person is you can see the... Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. Someone please tweet at me right now. Hold wait, on, what's I'll, third I'll person then? Um, that's a good question. Okay, per- someone someone answer so, that to me. So, <laughs> yeah, sec- I think second person is when you're looking at the character. And third person is kind of when there's a, you're viewing oh. the character from behind and it's kind of like fixed, right? Oh, I was thinking, actually, I, I did think third person might be one of those, like, um, what is it? The Sims might be third person. Oh. Maybe where you're just like. No, that makes sense. Maybe? You're omniscient. Uh, I don't know. What I, I, it, it doesn't matter, but most. <laughs> my, my, I guess they can all be, all be three, right? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. the ones that are my favorites are just the, the 2D ones where you're looking down at the characters and they're walking around the ground and it's 2D. <laughs> Okay, since I know everybody is just dying to know, first-person shooter or a first-person video game is where you are looking through the eyes of your character. So you are looking out onto the play field. You are seeing things from your own eyeballs, so to speak. Second-person is actually a little trickier because those are more of the side-scrolling games such as Mario Brothers, etc. Now, third person was somewhat similar to The Sims, but it is any video game in which the camera view is set outside of your character's body. Mina, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things? I could say video games too, but that might be a little redundant now. (laughs) I guess one of my favorite things that I'm doing right now is I'm working in this lab All day, we build these blocks. I love to talk about the blocks. I have so much enthusiasm for these blocks. What lab do you work in? I work in the nuclear physics lab. Isn't that so cool? But nobody ever wants to hear about the blocks. You know, they'll be like, oh, Mina, what do you do? And I start talking about the blocks. And then, you know, they yawn and they're like, okay. (laughs) What are you building with these blocks? Or what are you demonstrating with these blocks? Right. So 
you IUC, we have this project where we're building this detector at Brookhaven National Laboratory, a large project. It's a large detector and it has these sub detectors inside of it. And one of them we're building at UIUC. It's just composed of these blocks. They're like six inches long. They weigh like eight pounds. They're made of tungsten powder and we build them. <laughs> and that's that's it. The blocks themselves act as the detectors or it's by them being connected to one another. Right. So the detector is like a circular shape. So in the end, it will be like this tube that you could walk through if you wanted to because it has full azimuthal coverage. So it's this full circular shape. Did anybody else catch that great word azimuthal? Well, azimuth, an arc of the horizon intercepted between the meridian of the place and a vertical circle passing through the center of any object. So... There you go. Um, Or sorry, I guess I would say full cylindrical shape. And they're called tungsten absorber blocks. So it has these scintillating fibers inside of it. And we assemble that. And then we fill it with tungsten powder and epoxy and solidify it. And then we quality control test them. And then we ship them to New York. And that's where they will glue them all into place in this cylindrical form. Yeah, and people yawn at that. Come on. Yeah, exactly. How could you <laughs> yawn at the blocks? I mean, nobody nobody makes some weird comment when you're like, when you say scintillating, nobody, nothing. I'm just kidding. That's where I lose most people, actually. <laughs> so are you studying nuclear physics? Um, No, I'm, I'm in a physics program right now. I'm studying physics. This would be like high energy physics, but... It's not technically my concentration or anything because, you know, I am just getting an undergraduate degree. Elliot, Mina, thank you so much for being on the show and coming all the way out here and telling me all about your song, Driving to Rapid City. And Thanks for having us. Yeah. It was fun. Yes. Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is Mina and Elliot from the band Longbirds reminding you great Great music music is is out out there. Go Go find it where you live. I just created that. That's a wrap. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. And then I met Mina and I was like, hey, Mina. Want to do this thing with me? And I said yes. (laughs) 